Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined by my brother at Stewardship, Tom DeAngelis, and our two guests, Keith and Estelle Nestor. Welcome one and all. Keith Thank and Estelle, you. welcome Thanks. to Elizabethtown. Beautiful. <laughs> Thanks for having beautiful us. beautiful town. Uh, it's, uh, it's so awesome to have you guys here. They drove to see us from Iowa. So uh, it's a blessing for you guys, uh, or for us to have you guys here. So thank you for being We're here. We're so happy to thank be you. here. It's It's been an amazing time to spend with you guys. It's beautiful uh, here. Praise God. Praise God. So for those of you who have been here before, welcome back. For those of you who are new to Reflections from the Heart, what it is, it's a gospel reflection. So we're gonna we're gonna read the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. So we're not hearing it for the first time on Sunday, and then we'll just see what the Holy Spirit is uh, is saying to us here individually. And for those who are listening, if you have a chance to to get a Bible in your spot where you can do that, and you're not driving, uh, we're going to be reflecting on Luke twenty, Luke chapter twenty, verses twenty seven to thirty eight. Luke twenty twenty seven to thirty eight, uh, and just. Just, just notice in your heart as the gospel's read. Um, you know, usually a word or a phrase will jump out at you, and you know if you're with anybody, you know, just share that. If not, just ponder that, like the Blessed Mother, ponder that in your heart, and just ask the Lord, what are you, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to live this gospel? Uh, so welcome, welcome to Reflections from the Heart, Keith. If you could, please, can you open us up with a prayer? Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We pray, Lord, that you would let your word speak to us, that it would illuminate our hearts, that it would show us a greater picture of the gospel and of its power, that we might be renewed and refreshed today, we might call to a deeper level of discipleship, and that our own faith would be strengthened and edified as your word impacts our heart. So we pray for all those who would hear this word today that they would be brought into a deeper relationship with Jesus through it, and that all of our hearts would be joined in unity as we worship and serve you today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Tom, you read, us, read the gospel. Love to. Again, it's Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, 
they can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tom, uh, we've all heard this gospel more than more than once, but for the first time when you when you started, some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. When you read that, I was just thinking, well, these guys at least, you know, admitted this is this is our stance. Mm. We don't believe that there's a resurrection. And I know sometimes in my life, I lived my life as if there was no resurrection. <laughs> that uh, you know, I you know just lived. For, for me, for the moment, for, you know, what I thought I needed to do or the pleasure I wanted to have. Um, I just pray that, that through God's grace, my behavior matches my belief because, you know, now I'm saying, absolutely, I believe there is a resurrection, um, but does my behavior match that, that, that someday there's going to be a resurrection and uh, am I going to be part of the resurrection with our Lord or, you know, eternally separated from him? Well, when you consider that there there is a resurrection, and our, that's what our faith affirms, and you also consider that there's death, it's a whole different picture from if you consider, well, we're going to die, because then you have this sense of urgency about, what well, I got to get it done, or um, something comes up and you say, well, it's an, it's an experience, I want to do this before I die, kind of thing. You know, it's got, you got that sense of, do it now. When you put the resurrection on the other side of death... All of a sudden, it's like I don't really need to get it done now because I'm going to have I'm going to have more than what I want later. The excitement, pleasure, beauty, creativity—all those things that we that we know are associated with the Creator of the universe because they exist in our universe. But then, all of a sudden, it's like, well, what I really need to do is make sure that I get to that resurrection. So <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah. death becomes an urgency to make sure that I'm properly prepared for it and that as I go through it, again, because Jesus conquered death, so it, there is a death, but it's not a death to, that's final. It's a death that takes us through to a resurrected life. The other thing that I noticed from this that I hadn't noticed before is, you know, if you want to find out what's, what's going on in the afterlife, the best person to probably talk to is the person who came from there. This whole second, this whole paragraph here at the bottom kind of says, you know, that there's a there's a there's a, a resurrection of the dead, you know, that people die. Some people are going to rise f- from the dead, and some people aren't going to rise. But it also says that to God, all are alive. So there's some people who are going to be alive but dead because they won't rise. That so, and. If ever there was a time when you could look at this and say there's you know there's a heaven and a hell, and hell is li- basically a living death. It's you died and you don't rise again. You don't rise to be with the Lord. You know you don't even get to purgatory. You're just you're there and that's it. So for all eternity you're in death, and it's not a death. It's a living death. So it's it's. It's paradoxical, which a lot of times the truth often is, but um, the idea that there's something on the other side that we have to work for, that we're pilgrims, we're not there yet, and that 
there's something worth working for, but it's not to have another experience or have another party or have another, you know, or buy a, a new car, you know, so I can get all this stuff in before I die. It's, I really need to prepare for that, you know, for, for the, that, I, that I will rise from the dead with the Lord, as he's promised. But there's things I have to do to make sure that that happens. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I love mm. that. So Keith, uh, Estelle, you guys are a married couple. Uh, so Keith, is is this speaking to you at all as a married man? You know, looking across the table <clears throat> at your beautiful wife. Oh yes, she's beautiful. <laughs> what, what, what does uh, what does what does this speak to you? How does well, it speak to you? A couple of things about it that I think about. First of all, there's a lot of instances in the scripture where people ask Jesus questions, and he doesn't really give them a clear answer the way that they want. He'll answer with another question, or he will redirect to get to their heart. With this one, he just tells them right away, there is a resurrection. He's not messing around. He's not leaving anything unclear. He's saying very clearly, you have to understand, everybody has to understand. You know, because sometimes Jesus would say things to people, and he would say, to those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Then he would give them the truth, right? Right. And he would, sometimes he would tell his disciples, these things are hidden from those who, who don't believe, you know, but praise God, you've been given this ability. Well, this isn't one of those instances. This is an instance where he says, this message about the resurrection is for every ear. Every person needs to know about it. So I'm going to be super clear about this. There is a resurrection. God is a God of the living, not of the dead. And I think about that sometimes with regard to what Jesus experienced with Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who did they encounter on that mountain? They encountered Elijah and Moses. Were these men dead or were they alive? Now, we know Elijah was brought up into heaven, you know, but it's clear that their physical existence on earth was over. But yet there they are on the Mount of Transfiguration talking with Jesus and what are Peter and James and John? Oh, should we, let's do we build tents for these guys? Yeah. It was a very real reality. It wasn't like they were ghosts. They were there, you know? So that, so, so Jesus is wanting to show these guys and everybody, <clears throat> this is a reality. Your faith makes you alive in Christ, but not just you, all of those brothers and sisters that have gone before you, we're all part of this family, you know? And then of course, Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses that surround us as believers, that's because of the resurrection. It's all connected. Now, as far as the marriage thing goes, you know, it's hard to think about, isn't it? Because we're so ingrained in our worldly relationships to think that our marriage is the pinnacle of everything, you know, and it's hard sometimes to think about a greater reality where that isn't necessary, you know, but that's really the reality that Jesus points us to. He says, when we're with Jesus in heaven, when we're there, we have a greater level of unity. And I would, I would go out on a limb and say this, that my wife and I will have a greater level of unity and connection in heaven, not being married, so to speak, but before Christ in the beatific vision than we do now as husband and wife here, right? But, but that's, a, that's a relationship that we can only think about mysteriously, but it's not just going to be a relationship between her and I. It's all of us in Christ together. So I feel like there's a lot of depth that's, that Jesus is saying here. Uh, mainly, though, he doesn't want there to be any unclear ideas about whether or not there's a resurrection. Because, you know, as St. Paul tells us, without the resurrection, our faith is useless and our preaching is in vain. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Wow. Yeah. At our at our Wednesday gospel reflection, um, we had a priest there, and he basically said what you said is that um, the Lord, when He brings us into the resurrected life, will um, there'll be a special intimacy? Like we'll have we'll have all those things that we have now with people and those relationships. But he said, depending on how deep they go in life, he said it's kind of like you're building, you're fashioning a cup for yourself, and the bigger the cup is, the more the Lord can put in it. So mm-hmm. the more intimate, deep relationships you have with people, and the more relationships you have with people, the more you'll be able to enjoy that in uh, in the in the life to come. And I thought that was a good way to put it because one of the one of the women who was there actually asked the priest the question is, well, I know my husband, you know, will we will we still have a, a relationship? Will we? And he said, well, whatever intimacy you have now, whatever. And actually, her husband had passed away. I, I should mention that too. So whatever intimacy you shared will be glorified, and then all the other relationships that you've had will be will become part of that. They'll be in the cup with mm. you know, with everything else. So I thought that was a Good way to, mm. and it's it's basically what you were saying is yeah. Except he added the cup, you know. Keith, Keith, can you just share? Uh, you know, mentioned in, in the introduction that you guys came here from Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, not around the corner. So you're you, you've been called here for a reason to uh, to meet to meet us, your friends, good friends with Devin Shad, part of our ministry with the Fathers of Saint Joseph. Um, you have a love. We both have a love for our Lord and, and Scripture. You know, just give a little little snapshot into um, you know how how did you end up here in Elizabethtown? Uh, what's God doing in your life, and uh, and where where do you think he's where do you think he's calling sure. you calling you to go? Well, basically, um, I'm a former Protestant ministry person, so I've been in one level or another full time vocational ministry for the last 22 years up until 2017 when I converted to Roman Catholicism. And my wife grew up Catholic, um, and her faith experience was different than uh, mine, of course, but I brought her out of the church when I met her because I thought Catholics were kind of Looney Tunes, you know? And (laughs) so so she, she left that behind. We went into ministry, and then now fast forward over 20 years later, now... We're back, or for her, she's back, and I'm in the Catholic <laughs> Church. And uh, so now, you know, I live my life as a layperson, but a layperson who sees his vision as still doing ministry. Um, it's just that's not my vocation anymore. I, I have a new vocation, which is understood to be as a husband and father. And, you know, I work regular jobs, but my my passion in my heart is to do ministry. So... I do a lot of uh, speaking, and I do a lot of stuff on YouTube, and I also just finished a book called The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church, which is basically something that I feel is going to be helpful to people who are both entering the church for the first time and also a tool to help people who are maybe even cradle Catholics revitalize their faith. When you shared with us about the book... uh... When you were going through the, that first year, you, you just you said, "Wow, I wish I had somebody to to walk alongside." I wish you know someone sat next to me and showed me all the, the different things to do and the the procedures of things that. And you felt that God was asking you to be that that companion for people through through the book. Yeah, I just I remember what it felt like to be a new person in the in the Catholic Church and 
especially as someone coming from Protestant ministry, you know, where we spent so much of our time trying to help people feel welcomed and get them plugged in. That was just built into the fabric of our church. Well, when you become a Catholic, the experience isn't always like that. <laughs> yeah. So I remember going to Mass and walking in, <clears throat> not knowing where to go, what to do, not understanding the liturgy or what was happening. And oftentimes I would wish that someone would see me struggling and come alongside to help me. And, you know, I have a lot of great friends that that were able to help me offline, but just as a regular guy walking into a church, sitting down, going to mass, if you don't know things, if you're not raised in it, it's easy to forget what that's like, you know, or to, if, if you are raised in it, it's easy to forget what it's like to be new. And the analogy that's come to me lately is that it's like being dropped off at, at a uh, middle school for the first time by your parents, you know, you, you went to, you went to orientation, but now you're being dropped off and you got to find your way through and it's intimidating. Yeah. And you were homeschooled before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really like, you don't even know when the bell rings what you do. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and I remember feeling like that. I don't know, like, oh man, my, and my biggest worry was always, am I going to do the wrong thing and be disrespectful to the Lord, to the church? Am I going to do the wrong thing? You know? So this book that I, that I finished writing is really my answer or response to people that are new coming in going, here's what, here's, here's that conversation of what it's like to be a new Catholic. And here's what you need to know during the first year. Here's some things that'll help you. Mm. And uh, that's been just something that's been on my heart because having, I've just been two years now for me. So it's still fresh in my mind. That's a, that's a good topic for a book. I think that a lot of people will appreciate that. Uh, Especially, I mean, over the years I've heard and I've worked with our uh, RCIA program at the parish and, you know, there are people that are coming in from all sorts of backgrounds and, you know, most of them aren't, you know, aren't anything close to Catholic before that. And once they get over the struggles of, you know, I always heard that, you know, you guys worship Mary and that, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 this, this cracker thing is just a big joke, and, you know, but getting past that stuff, it's just, you're right. I mean, there's... There's an expectation when you're raised as a Catholic that when you go into church, you know what you're doing. You know, you know everything that that goes on. And for those of us that were raised that way, it's not a matter of like it's it's like starting over again. It's like you never knew. Like yeah. people just didn't know. For us, it's not we forgot it or something. But on the other side is once you do get comfortable with it, you can go to any church anywhere, literally anywhere in the world. And even if you don't know the language, mm. you can follow the mass because you know exactly what's going on. This is the, this is the, the, the you know, the consecration. This is the, the Lord have mercy. This is, you know, so everything mm -hmm. is there. It might be in a different language, but in your heart, you know, like I've gone to different countries where I didn't know the language and I would just pray it in English, you know? So that's the, that's the one side of it. But I can see the learning curve could be pretty intimidating when, when you think of it. Because most of, you know, if I was raised as a cradle Catholic, that just was the way we were raised. You know, I went to, and then worse, I went to Catholic school, so we used to go to mass all the time. And then I was an altar boy, so like I know the mass inside and out. Even with the transition to the, you know, to the Novus Ordo, the mm -hmm. new mass. So, uh, yeah, I could see. I think that book's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I feel like. When you're a convert coming into the church, you spend a lot of time on theology and on doctrine. Yeah. And <clears throat> those point. are important things to learn about. And, and that's what we that's what we go over in our CIA class. But what you yeah. don't what you don't get ready for typically are the cultural things. 
you know, and because it's a different Catholic culture is different than like Protestant culture. Yeah. So, for example, when you walk into the church, you walk into a Catholic church, it's typically quiet. You walk into a Protestant church, there's a lot of movement. People are high five and they're talking, they're catching up. There's there's activity, there's music playing, there's all this kind of stuff because it's like people see that as their gathering time. Where when you walk into a Catholic church, I remember the first time I walked in, I'm like, did they just have a funeral? Is it, <laughs> you know, is it running yeah. over? I gotta be quiet in here. And you're like, okay, that's different. Um, other things like <clears throat> which prayers am I supposed to learn how to pray? Or how do I deal with the fact that there are, you know, um, things that words that are used that are different, you know, people like, I'll, I'll give you a good example. When people were talking about, does anybody have any prayer intentions? Like I'd never heard that before. We always just called it prayer requests, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's an intention? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, there's like a different language to a certain degree. Yeah. So I try to do that in the book and I, I do it in kind of a, a humorous way too. You know, I have a chapter called, um, bell smells in 15 passenger vans, you know, <laughs> because I remember feeling like going to the church and like, what are all these 15 passenger vans doing? And you walk, oh yeah. And you know, with our kids, they, they would come with us sometimes. And I remember one time we went someplace and I don't know, it was after mass or something, went to a restaurant and there were these 15 passenger vans. And my son was like, oh yeah, someone must have told the Catholics where to go eat afterwards, <laughs> you know? And so there's, there's cultural things too. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I want to help converts and, and everybody really to think about and to be, you know, aware of and learn and say, okay, look, this is what this means. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. why we're doing this right now. This is when this guy says this, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. And, and we are the one body of Christ. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to get rebaptized, right? No, I mean, it's, no. So we believe in the one baptism. And uh, earlier in the week, we had a great experience, right? Estelle and, and Keith, where there was a you know, little living room full of, of brothers and sisters in Christ, Catholics and, and non-Catholic Christians alike. Just, you guys were able to share your story they were able to share some of their stories. And then at the end, uh, our two Protestant brothers that were there said, you know, do you mind if a couple of Protestants pray over you? And they laid <laughs> hands awesome. and, and prayed. And it was beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. So let's just keep uh, keep the prayer at, at the root of it. And the gospel reflection we have on Wednesday mornings at the barn here in Elizabethtown, it's, uh, it, it's, it's awesome. And we've, we've been praying together since December of 09. And um, at any given time, 12 to 15 pastors from different churches would come and, and be there and just pray together. And walls are, are coming down and people are developing friendships. Yeah, I uh, love that. Friendships in Christ that, that we're able to ask each other questions about our, you know, some of the differences. And, and, but not focusing on them, but just for understanding. And then just focusing on the so much more that we have alike. So, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll, you, you'll be able to bridge that gap in the style with you being Catholic and then coming back. So I think there's just going to be just a lot of opportunities to, to be instruments of unity. Well, and it's crazy because I was, like Keith said, I was raised Catholic and he would ask me questions. Why are they doing this? And why are they doing that? And, and I felt bad because I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I knew what to do. I just didn't know why. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. I think this book will be helpful and I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I went to eight years of Catholic school, right? You went to 12, I went to eight oh, yeah. and, and until I was 33 years old when a friend gave me the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And I was reading the Bible for a year up to mm-hmm. that point. My wife said, we're, we're Catholic, born and raised Catholic. We don't even own a Bible. Wow. So we read the Bible for a year and then 
friend sent that book in the mail and we started mm-hmm. reading that book on December 24th, Christmas Eve, December 31st was day seven of the purpose driven life, which is a 40 day journey. And day seven was on surrender. And as a 33 year old man, born and raised Catholic, eight years of Catholic school, went to mass almost every Sunday, even when I was living, you know, <laughs> not living the faith at all. I would just show up at mass, but it wasn't until then when I said yes yeah. to the Lord. And I wanted to learn the why. And I, I, I just still to this day, just can't get enough of yeah. just, just the beauty and the richness of our faith. But it started, it started with that relationship that Jesus, and when I'm at schools, we do some school ministry. And you know, I, lately I've been really reflecting on the humanity of Jesus, that he's not half God, half man. He's not all God, half man. He's fully God, fully mm-hmm. man. And from the cross, when he said, I thirst, Jesus, the man, right? He, he's thirsting for our love. That the only thing that will quench his thirst is our yes, because he can't take that from us. Our yes is our free will gift to him that we can console his heart in the depth of his, of his, of his, of his suffering. We can console his heart. We can quench his thirst by intentionally saying, yes, Lord, I want to be here. I want to get to know you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. So, uh, you know, it's awesome. So we can help each other because if, if all Christianity lives fully, uh, that relationship with Christ, that's a game changer. Yeah. I think too, we have to remember that at the end of the day, the, the thing that he wants most in the surrender is that we surrender to the, the life that he lived, you know, and that's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of prayer. It's a life of, you know, seeking unity with Christ, with, with, with the Father, and that um, we do what we need to do in life so that, uh, you know, so that we can be with him. Um, the other thing too, I think is when I was reading through this about the resurrection, I thought, you know, it's one thing to not believe in the resurrection before Jesus rises from the dead. It's another thing to not believe in the resurrection after he's risen from the dead. And it's become part of literally part of our faith, our culture. And, you know, so, uh, I think that's an important point for us to keep consider too. Absolutely. So each day it's our call to live life to the fullest. Jesus came so we would have life and have life to the fullest, have life abundantly. So let's pray for each other that we can live that abundant life, that we can accept the gift that he wants to give us, this gift that is right in front of us, beautifully wrapped, that is just waiting to be opened, and that gift is our faith. So let's pray for each other today and every day. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.